Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue Ngo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hello, kid. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, and thank you for having me. Wonderful. We are really excited to talk to you today and in this day and age of, uh, you know, digital device and lots of screens, you are a guest that we're really excited to talk to you about, especially in the context of well-being. And for us, it's it's really uh, important for, you, for listeners to get to know you. You know, we've done a lot of research about you and your work, but uh, for listeners to get to know you a little bit better, could you share your professional background as well as yourself as a human? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I um, I started off working in the travel industry, uh, believe it or not, because I love traveling. I love learning about cultures. And then I got into um, traveling around the world for about three years and lived in different countries. And when I got back home, well, from a young age, I've always wanted to work in social work. Um, and for some reason, I didn't pursue that. I went more into traveling and more my hobby. But when I got back from traveling, um, when I was in my early 30s, I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And so I my first course was youth work. And then over the next, well, last 20 years, um, I haven't stopped studying. I have done course after course. Um, I have a master's in Aboriginal studies and a degree in Aboriginal studies. And I finished my master's in social work this year. But leading up to the university um, studies was diplomas and certificates in community services in different areas like alcohol and other drugs and welfare studies, holistic healing as well. Um, so I've studied um, quite broadly mainstream social work and community health and wellbeing, but I've also um, looked at complementary therapies as well. So Having a balance between complementary therapies and mainstream healthcare um, is what I've been doing. And I guess that's brought me to what I do today. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's, and my it's background actually quite has... interesting. Yeah, I was yeah, just going to say, no, that's just my qualifications. But my, my work practice has mainly been as a counsellor. So I've mainly been mm. working as a drug and alcohol counsellor in um, with people with mental health and drug and alcohol addictions um, through different community health practices, including Indigenous health and also working with people who have been incarcerated and on post-release programs from prison. Yeah, that's really important work that you're doing. And I find that everything starts from you and travelling, 
right? And, and that sounds like a wonderful start. And that's probably the inspiration for your work. So we'll find out a little more about that as we discuss the topic of today. And before we jump in to get to know you even better, we would love to ask you to invite listeners to sort of get into the space of this uh, particular topic of nature-based therapy. And we would love to know your definition on this very topic and, and also why it is so important to you and to everybody. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And nature-based therapy is really about finding your authentic self in an unauthentic world. And a lot of what nature-based therapy is going back to our roots and going back to our ancestry um, and reconnecting not just with nature and the natural world, um, but also reconnecting to ourselves. And I believe that since the Industrial Revolution um, and since man has stepped away from community wellness um, and focused more on individual wellness um, and success, um, it has really had an impact on people's mental health and well-being. Yeah, and I think absolutely. the problem today is that people are not, it's not the person that's mentally unwell, it's our society that's mentally unwell, physically unwell, spiritually unwell, emotionally unwell, um, and humans are just trying to adapt. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's very true. I think if we don't take a moment and stop to reflect, we won't realize that it's it's a huge problem nowadays, right? Especially where we are always connected, but somehow disconnected. And I think, you know, it, nature-based therapy is going to be an important factor in how we reconnect with ourselves and with others. Yes, you're absolutely right. And when you say we're connected but not, you know, not connected, that's so true. Like you can take a walk in the park but you could still be in your mind thinking about yesterday or thinking about tomorrow. You're not actually in the present moment. Well, you might have your headphones on and listening to music, which might be a distraction to actually listening to nature. Yeah, I am guilty of that, actually. So, you know, after our chat today, I'm sure I'll implement some of the recommendations that you're going to share and hopefully stay more connected and present. Um, awesome. So we are now going to jump into the part where we get to know you a little better before we talk about the topic, the practice and everything nature-based therapy. And uh, to do that, we have a fun activity we called Rapid Fire Questions. And we would love to know some of the things that comes to your mind when you hear these keywords. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's, let's do it. Number one, we would love to know a book that crosses your mind. Um, Breading Sweetgrass. And Something what is it about? I'm reading at the moment. And what is it about, Kit? Um, it's about a Native American lady who talks about the importance of connecting to nature um, and going back to community well-being. So it's pretty much everything that I'm that I'm doing and that I believe in that's connected to my values, especially as a Native American woman as well. Um, and really looking at how can we reconnect to community wellness. Yeah, that's fantastic. Kind of what's got here, at, us here at the time, and so that's um, this book is something that's come at the right time for me um, because I'm in the process of developing new programs around uh, mental health and well-being, and I'm looking for 
yeah, other literature and other voices that support the work that I'm doing so that I can share that too. So I highly recommend this book. I've just finished the first few chapters, so there's still a little bit more to go. Um, But it really connects with the self. It's um, Mm. quite a reflective reading. Yeah, awesome. Number two, we would love to know about a movie that you're thinking of. Oh, a movie I'm thinking of. Um, Whenever, yeah, whenever I think of movie, I think of The Power of One. Um, And why I think of The Power of One is because this really, um, this movie I watched at school and um, it had a profound effect on me and the importance of how much change one individual can make, um, in particular by standing up for other people and making a change in communities. And I don't know if you've seen it, but... The, the part that I love is that, you know, the, the comment about the waterfall and a powerful waterfall um, starts with one raindrop. And even though we think one raindrop might be in, insignificant, um, if you put lots of raindrops together, um, it creates a beautiful, powerful waterfall. And I love this metaphor because I think it connects to humanity. Um, and all it takes is for one person to to have an idea or to um, plant the seed about changing the way we think or the way we live. Um, and if we can share that with other people and share that knowledge and then um, it's about people power and it's about people coming together to make change um, and being powerful uh, rather than expecting the powers of the world to make the changes we don't need to wait for that and I think it's quite relevant in today's society um, with a lot of different things that are going on especially around climate change Alrighty, so we've talked about movie that's a great recommendation now have to check it out and next one we would love to ask you is a podcast you've been listening to well to be honest I don't really have a lot of time to listen to podcasts Um, But I have downloaded a couple of them onto my phone with the intention of listening to them when I'm driving. Um, And they're ones around social work Mm. because I'm studying social work at the moment. I kind of want to know what the current themes are um, and looking at current, you know, current day issues and what is social work today. So that's my intention. Yes, I intend to listen to some more. Yeah, fantastic. Number four, we would love to know about a documentary that you really like or you recently watched. Um, oh, that's a tough one because I absolutely love documentaries and I watch documentaries all the time um, and trying to think of a name <laughs> to come to my mind. <laughs> but in general, I love documentaries um, about wellness and about health, um, about cultures. Um, yeah, sorry, I can't think off the top of my head uh, the name of a documentary, but I really love documentaries where I'm watching how other people live and how cultures interact with each other, um, especially yeah. around communities. I find that really yeah. fascinating. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, we don't necessarily have to come up with a name, 
But as long as we know that that's the theme that you're watching, you know, that might spark some thoughts and we might do a different kind of search the next time we go search for documentary. So that's really, really great. Number five, we would love to know a famous role model of yours. Oh, yes. Famous role model. Um, well, Nelson Mandela um, had been a very, um, I guess, important role model for me growing up and especially around uh, racism and apartheid um, and everything that he stood for and not being afraid to speak the truth. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's very much a role model for me. And I love the Dalai Lama as well. Um, mm. I love his view of life and simplicity and, yep. and, and compassion, just to, to be compassionate. They would be yeah. my two main role models growing up and probably still are. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And number six, we would love to know that uh, about an app that you've been using a lot. Um, unfortunately, it's my Commonwealth Bank app. Um, because I do net transfers and I pay bills and my daughter always wants money in her account. She's a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> but I've just actually set up a Pilates account, uh, app, sorry, oh. for, um, for a studio and you do all your bookings and that through there. So um, in relation to looking at apps, I have a lot of apps on my phone. Some of them are like kids' games because I have four children. Yep. So yeah. <laughs> Um, I've actually, okay, cool. there is an app called a nature app. Um, and it's an app that connects you to nature and it's a friend of mm -hmm. mine that actually developed this app. And it's really important that you take the time out to do this. And he's got guided activities to do every day. So you log on to the app and you do the activity and then you can track the time that you spend in nature as well. Um, yeah. So that's kind of an exciting app that I recently got to to try out. Yeah, that's very awesome. Thank you for sharing. Lots of interesting apps that we can check out. And, you know, I, th I think it's great as a mom, you just have so many apps at hand, right? <laughs> just have, yeah, you need this, this app. You need that, that app. You know, have all the triaging uh, apps and folders for different purposes. Absolutely. But in saying that, I don't spend a lot of time on technology. I'm very old school. Um, yeah. Um, my diary is still pen and paper. I do a lot of things still pen and paper. Um, I get lost in technology, so that's probably why I don't spend a lot of time with podcasts and apps is because it um, it's kind of, yeah, it's yeah. technology and that's kind of what yeah. I try to stay away from. Yeah, I hear you. I think it's interesting because we have so many apps and platforms that we can plan and track our day. Mm -hmm. But I find I find that when you say that, I, I, I was doing some reflection the other day and I realized it's just, it helps you remember better when you actually put your planning to paper because it could be on your calendar, but then you forget about it because, you know, sometimes you're just don't even check your notifications. You know, I do that sometimes. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, they, there's a reminder, but I don't really care about the reminder. And then I'll like look at my diary and I'm like, oh, okay, this is on today. Great. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. As, as, I think it's good. Yeah. It's good to do the things on pen and paper. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. It helps. Next one, we would love to know about a news website that you frequently visit. 
a news website. Yeah. Um, I don't listen or watch the news. So um, same. That's <laughs> sorry, I can't give you one of those. Um, I I like going to oh no, this is an app though, the weather app. Um, I like checking the weather for the week. I like to plan ahead what I'm gonna do outdoors with my family. Mm. So um, mm. if I do check the news, it might be checking the weather. You know, are we going to go out kayaking on the weekend or is it going to be raining? Is it going to be too hot? Um, we don't go out when it's really hot. We tend to stay inside and hibernate on really hot days. Um, yep. So, yeah, checking the weather on the news is probably more of a thing I do to plan my outdoor activities. But um, yeah. I think the news is um, not good for your mental health and well-being. And I tend to not focus on the news. And if I need to know something, someone will tell me. Yeah, that's very true. I agree with that 100%. That's me as well. I do not have any news website on my list. Uh, Number eight, we would love to know about your favorite artist. Oh, like a famous uh, singer or painter or... Any artist. Be any artist. Um, Yeah. That's a really good question. Well, my partner's an Aboriginal artist um, and he does amazing work. Um, Yeah. So his art is a mixture of contemporary art and traditional Aboriginal art. And he uses bright, vibrant colours as well as the traditional ochre colours of your earthy colours. And his his artwork is quite unique and his art's been on lots of um, AFL um, jumpers for Indigenous Round and um, you'll find his art in a lot of different um, organisations around Australia and different places. So it's, um, yeah, probably one of my favourite artists. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, you, you kill two birds with one stone there, Kit. It's really, really awesome. And great to, to learn about the work of your partner. Mm. Yeah. Um, number nine, we would love to hear about a course you have completed recently. Yes, I have recently completed um, a course called Compassionate Inquiry and this was a 12-month course um, by Dr. Gabor Mate. And Dr. Gabor Mate is from Vancouver, which is where I'm from, and he specialises in working with addictions, which I have as well. And Compassionate Inquiry was an amazing course because it works with the root cause of um, presenting issues and one of the big take-homes I got from Compassionate Inquiry, and I actually use this practice now with my clients, um, is that it's working not with the mind, but you're actually working with the emotion that sits in the body from past trauma. And this goes right back to your childhood. So what he teaches you and what Compassionate Inquiry is, is that if you have a trigger, if you get angry at someone or you get saddened by someone's um comment or reaction it's actually not about them it's about something that happened to you in childhood that was never resolved or nurtured Um, and anything that comes up in life that represents that same emotion um, is a trigger and so what we do in compassionate inquiry is we take people through a process where we get them into their body and we scan for any uncomfortable spaces um, or blockages in the body and then we work from there Wonderful. It sounds like a book that uh, my friend recommended the other day called The Body Keeps the Score. I think the idea behind it is quite similar to what it you just very described. Similar, yes. And Dr. Gabor wrote a similar book called When the Body Says No. Um, uh, there we go. 
Yeah, so that's the when the body keeps score is from Bessel van der Hoek, which I have in my bookshelf. Um, yeah. And it is a very good book. And, yes, it is a similar concept. Yeah, fantastic. So we're picking up a lot of materials on this topic, which is going to be really beneficial. I'm going to definitely try and read both books. And number 10, we would love to know about an event you have attended recently. Oh, an event. Wow, we've been um, quite limited by attending events (laughs) because of the past few years of restrictions. Um, Yeah. Just trying to think an event. Hmm. Yeah, it could be, you know, something on the smaller scale, you know, even if it's not a uh, a big party or a networking event, could be like a family event maybe. Yeah, I was just going to mention that, the school holidays. Um, we went up to Bright for a week. And I don't know if you've ever been to Bright, but um, I've never been I there haven't. Before. I've travelled okay. around Australia and, and Victoria, but um, not up to the Alpine Ranges. So we usually go down to the Great Ocean Road, Port Ferry. We've been over to Phillip Island. So I wanted to take the kids somewhere I hadn't been um, or whether they hadn't been. So we went up to Bright for a week. Um, just recently, the tail end of the school holidays. And, yeah, it's amazing. And that event, event, holiday, (laughs) special occasion, we did some kayaking and we hired bikes and we did bike riding. We went out for lunches and swam in swimming pools. It was, And we went up to Mount Buffalo, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, And it's a very spiritual place, Mount Buffalo. And I didn't know this, but actually uh, Mount Buffalo was named Mount Buffalo because it's uh, connected to um, Indigenous well-being from Native American well-being. Um, and it was named that from oh. Aboriginal elders, Australian Aboriginal elders, because of mm. the, the connection. Um, and it has quite a, a, yeah, a spiritual feeling and place wow. there. Highly yeah. recommend that um, you visit Mount Buffalo. Yeah, very awesome. I love that. All right. So thank you for sharing about uh, the 10 different things that we normally ask. And hopefully listeners get to know you a little bit better. I definitely learned a lot about yourself. And I think that you've shared some great recommendations there. I'm definitely going to check out. And the next part, we're going to do a little bit of a practice debrief. Because we talk about, we're talking about nature-based therapy today and we know that you're an expert and we bet that you have really great practice that you apply in your everyday life or, you know, on a frequent basis. We'd love to learn about that, especially in the context of well-being. We would love to know which practice you use to actually relieve stress. Yeah, so um, I guess one one of the main practices that I use to relieve stress is nature-based mindfulness. Um, And what that entails is going to a a natural spot and it depends what I get access to. So if I'm at home and I've got the kids home but I'm feeling a bit stressed and I can't kind of can't hop in the car on my own and just leave them, um, I'll find a quiet place in my front yard or my backyard um, and I just sit, I close my eyes and I tune in. So I get into my body and um, the first thing I do is close off my sight sense so I close my eyes and I listen with my ears to the sounds of nature around me so it might be the birds it might be the rustle of the leaves and the we have big trees in our front yard um, of the wind blowing through them 
It might be crickets if it's at nighttime I'm doing it when the crickets come out. It could be a blowfly that's buzzing around. But anything that's nature and connected to nature, we listen to it. Um, and then I go to my smell. So what can I smell? Um, and it might be smelling the roses and the lavender that we have in our front yard in our garden. It could be freshly cut grass from a neighbour. Um, it could be the chai tea that I might be holding in my hand, so just kind of smelling. And then I go to taste. So, again, it might be what I've just been drinking. Um, but if I go down to the beach, it might be that I'm tasting the salt air. You know, so we've got smell, we've got hearing, we've got taste. Um, touch. Again, if I'm sitting on the grass, I'll touch the blades of grass or it might be feeling the wind on my cheek or um, blowing through my hair. And just being in that present moment of feeling nature in me and all around me. Um, and then I open my eyes. So sight is the last one because what happens when you do nature-based mindfulness and you shut off your sight, it enhances the connection of the other sensory um, positions. And then you open yeah. your eyes and it becomes much more vibrant and bright and you're like, oh, that's what I could hear. Oh, that's what I could, you know, feel. And then you have this um, immersion within nature and that's how I um, de-stress. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. I think this is probably a practice that's very different from what we know Usually, you know, people practice mindfulness, uh, some do meditation, but nature-based mindfulness is definitely something new from, for myself included. So definitely try that, you know, when I get home today uh, or maybe on the way home, you know, that'll be really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just being in that, Fantastic. but don't do it while you're driving because you don't want to turn <laughs> off your sight sense. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like you, you can access it in your front garden or if you've got a little garden at work, if people are feeling stressed at work and they've got a little outdoor area, you can really do it anywhere, even if you're you're in the city. Um, mm. And I really, um, one of the things I encourage people to do is if you can't get out to nature, bring nature into your workplace or into your home, bring in pot plants, bring in oil yep. burners, bring in water features, bring in nature. And you can still connect to your sensory system through nature indoors. So it's really about being creative and putting nature images on your wall of favourite places that you've been to um, and, and taking yourself back there in your imagination. Yeah, totally. I think those are great tips, especially for, for us as well. Our office at the moment will definitely take on your tips and bring in some pot plans and, you know, things that could bring nature into this space. Mm. Um, and so I think you, uh, I think you are actually based in Torquay, aren't you? Yes, that's right. Down on the surf coast. There you go. So that is a beautiful, beautiful place uh, for listeners that aren't familiar with uh, the coast of Australia and in Victoria, especially. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I personally uh, have been there, love it. And um, I think for you in particular, it's so great that you are in that location because it, it enables you to actually practice this quite easily compared to some of us that actually live in the city, myself included. So, you know, I think it, it is, uh, it's it's going to come with its challenges for people that don't get access to nature very often. And you already mentioned the tips and mm. um, 
it's great to try what try and do what we can. However, I think it might be great to get a, a reminder, you know, because it, it, probably for you, you've been doing this for a while, but for others, this is so new. So what are the three top benefits of this practice and also uh, the challenges that might come with them and how, how we overcome them? in your opinion? Yeah, look, the, yeah, the top three benefits would say um, absolutely de-stressing. Um, being connected to a natural environment has been proven and there's evidence-based research around this that, you know, it, it slows your heart rate down, um, which means your breathing becomes more stable and, and in tune as well. Um, another benefit that a lot of people don't realise is you become more creative. Um, and when you become creative, it helps with problem solving. Um, and the third benefit is you create a better connection with yourself. And when you get yeah. to know yourself and a little bit better, um, then you start to make significant lifestyle changes. And that might just be improving your diet. Um, mm. one of the modules I teach in my course is nature-based diet um, and the importance of eating nature and we can connect to nature through diet so you know having an apple or um, you know a, a salad and a, a fruit plate um, fruit kebabs making fruit kebabs and, and and really connecting every time you go to eat something where does it come from? And this goes back to ethics and values and how we live as well, you know. How is our food sourced? Is it ethical? Is it locally grown? Um, and, you know, that has a huge impact also on, on, you know, our environmental health as well as our own physical health. So I think it's kind of much broader than what we're talking about as well. So having that connection to self um, and choices that we make in life. And it being outdoors in nature, also the benefits are you're moving, you're outside, whether it's a bushwalk or a walk along the beach or kayaking or swimming, um, you know, your basic wellness advice is yeah. to eat well and exercise and be in the present moment. And nature yeah. can give that to, you know, it ticks all those boxes. Yeah, fantastic. So the as we discuss, yeah. yeah, yeah, as we discuss, you know, there might be some challenges that come with this, even though the the benefits are just amazing, as you just described, right? So, mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges you observe from people, and how do you encourage them to overcome them? Yes. Yeah, so one of the biggest barriers is that people don't take the time. Um, and what I say to people is, you have everyone has twenty four hours in a day. You do have the time. It's what you commit your time to. So I encourage people to just take 20 minutes a day, even if it's the first thing you do in the morning is to go outside your front yard or backyard or your balcony or a space in your home where you've got pot plants set up and a water feature. Just take 20 minutes out just to do nature-based mindfulness and connect. So the biggest one is time. The second one is that we have so many thoughts. So people start, and this is where mindfulness becomes harder, and I find nature-based mindfulness is a great mindfulness activity, is because it's the middle ground between being in the mind and focusing on your breath. You've actually got something to focus on, which is nature. 
you've got five different senses to focus on rather than just one, which is your breath. So it's kind of a middle ground and a stepping stone to getting into real mindfulness practice, which is the breathing and the breath work. And so it's kind of like in the middle. So I tell people to to just try and focus on your sensory system and to get out of the mind because often what we do, and I did Vipassana. I don't know if you've heard of Vipassana. It's a 10-day silent retreat and you're not allowed to talk. Um, I did that before I had all my children, so that's going back maybe 17 years ago. And wow, I couldn't believe how many thoughts were in my mind. Like every time I just tried to to breathe, um, I things were just coming up. And it's we don't realize how much is we're filtered, and that has to do with how much TV we watch, how much we're reading in the media, um, how much is coming in um, can be quite overwhelming. So the first thing is taking the time. The second challenge would be. Um, reducing the thoughts in our mind Um, and we can do that through nature-based mindfulness and the third challenge um, I think people are still very very skeptic around nature and this goes back to the difference between western worldviews and indigenous worldviews because western worldview sees nature as a commodity we take nature for our own benefit it's cut down trees to make tables we extract oil to you know to fuel our cars um it's kind of there's that kind of disconnect whereas our indigenous philosophy is that we are not separate from the natural world we are nature and so that deep connection of authenticity um that seeing nature is a part of us i think that's a real barrier when people see nature as being external to us instead of being part of us. Mm, that is so true. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's a perception. You know, it's, a, it's a way of viewing how nature and ourselves are connected or disconnected perhaps. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's definitely one of those challenges that we need to take steps to address and no one's going to help us do that but ourselves, right? We need to go from mm-hmm. within. Um, and, you know, hopefully with the tips and and the practice you've shared, our listeners might benefit from a little bit of something new, you know, a change in the point of view. And especially in the, in the busy lives nowadays, you know, everyone has stuff going on. But like you said, we just need to make time for it. So mm-hmm. actually that that's a great point that I would love to hear from you. How do you personally make time for it? I try and embed it into my everyday life and I think this is the key as well. Once you create an awareness that you're not separate from the natural world, it's not about taking time out of your day. It's about doing it continuously over the 24 hours. I think this is the key that you don't see it as being something separate from your everyday life but it just becomes your life. And so... I might be driving in the car and I stop at the traffic lights just automatically and because I'm in tuned, I might just, instead of watching, well, I should be watching when it turns green, but I might be noticing the tree that's standing on the corner and what birds are coming in and out of it. Or I might be looking at the cloud formations um, that are happening as I'm driving um, and, and daydreaming. 
So it becomes kind of part of your, as you're eating an apple, instead of thinking about what you're doing next, you're actually engaging in what it tastes like. And as you bite into that apple, what what can I smell while I'm eating it? Um, you know, what's, what can I hear as I'm crunching it? So it becomes, for me, it just becomes an automatic thing that's just embedded into my life rather than separate from it. But to start with, you really need to build that connection through taking that time out. So that's yeah. how I do it. It's not taking time out for it. It's eventually you will just um, authentically implement it into your practice as you are a yeah. one with nature. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you mentioned this earlier. You mentioned the many benefits of the practice, you know, um, I remember one of the big things that you mentioned that I, I thought was really innovative is actually creativity. Uh, but I bet there are actually other things that might be benefits as well, especially in the context of well-being and mm -hmm. our perception in life. So, you know, what else would you add to that list of benefit? How would this practice impact our well-being as well as the way we see life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the benefits are is that you don't see yourself as separate from the natural world or separate from everyone else. And so um, this is really good for people who are feeling lonely or who have suffered some sort of grief and loss. Um, so the benefits are increased connection, increased connection to self, increased connection to humanity and to um, the environment and other living beings, which include plants and animals. Um, and just life in general. So that connection, building self-esteem, as you create more self-awareness um, and you become more confident in yourself, you improve your own self-esteem through improving your own self-awareness. So that's another benefit as well. Um, you know, benefits that we mentioned before is physical health and the benefits of that. And one of the things that I teach, um, the two foundation and the core subjects of nature-based therapy is Indigenous philosophy and holistic health. And so what the benefits are and what mental health is, you know, we talk about mental health and well-being, but mental health is only a very small component of health. So what I do with nature-based therapy is I work with eight dimensions of wellness. And the eight dimensions are the first four we usually know, which is physical health, mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health. But do we consider occupational health, financial health, social health, and environmental health? They're the other four. So how that works is that if we have occupational health, if we have a job that we hate going to, you know, Monday-itis and hump day, And then on Friday night, we end up at the pub getting drunk and forgetting about the week that we had. Is that any way to yeah. live? You know, we hate Sunday Not night because we've got to get up in the morning and we got this whole life thing happening. But so if occupational health isn't good, that affects our mental health, our emotional health. It will affect physical health. Our financial health might be good, but at what cost? So we look at a whole, we have to look holistically at wellness. We really need to look at all eight parts of wellness. Our environment isn't just our natural environment, but our environment in which we live in, which is our relationships, 
if we live in an environment that's toxic or not positive or it's negative, that also is going to impact other areas of our health. And so when we're looking at what health is, we have to look at all these parts. Yeah. Wow. That's really, that is a really holistic view, I would say. And, and, you know, that's something that we're learning more and more about every day. Right. So, you know, it, it, it is a great reminder to, to everyone in the day and age that we're living in to actually uh, take a moment and reflect on, on how much we, we take nature for granted, or, you know, we Mm -hmm. just don't really feel like we are immersed as one, as our environment. And I feel like that is, something to try first and foremost to, to look at the simple things um, because you know it is a new practice for a lot of people it is there are quite a few steps and you know there, there are quite a few things mm-hmm. to bear in mind um, but starting small and really acknowledging that there are going to be a lot of benefits once you've started doing this it will then spark a lot of thoughts um, on how people will incorporate this into their daily lives depending on each person's circumstance because you know some might um find it easy to do it every morning but other people who have a different kind of schedule might find it easier in in the evening or maybe lunch lunch break you know some people actually do activities during their lunch break so it'll be great and it sounds to me like this practice should be recommended to everybody right adults children everyone what are your thoughts yeah I think so I think it's really important um we we look at it as preventative health Um, And we look at it as health promotion. So we want to prevent humans from becoming unwell in the future. Um, So we really need to start at the grassroots at the bottom, you know, and spending getting um, when we're having, you know, young babies and children and having mother's groups. Why don't mother's groups meet outside and in the park and in natural environments? Um, outdoor learning in schools why are we sitting in classrooms when we could be taking education outdoors and learning from nature nature if you can sit and watch nature for a while it has a lot to teach us um, and, and yeah. going into different activities why at school we're not doing more kayaking and outdoor activities um, than having to just focus on you know you can learn maths outdoors you can you can speak and do narrative English outdoors um, so that's another way we can implement it for all ages and even like going right up to aged care facilities um, and getting people yeah. outdoors. And if they can't, let's bring nature into aged care facilities. What about hospitals? Why have we not got images of nature on waiting room walls and clinics and hospitals and having pot plants in hospitals? There is evidence-based research that images of nature can speed up the recovery process um, when people have been hospitalised and undergone surgery and rehabilitation. So there's evidence showing that this works and can benefit everyone at all ages in all different places. Um, And that's part of my aim in the work I'm doing with nature-based therapy is to get this practice out there, not just in health and wellness, but also into, you know, corporate um, offices and getting it out to schools and aged care facilities everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fantastic. There's so much we can combine the practice with, right? Because it's it's not about just us taking the steps, but also um, perhaps changing it for the people around us too. Because sometimes it's just actually better to have 
like accountability buddies, you know, like let's, let's spend time uh, and work on our nature-based mindfulness today. And, you know, or could, like you said earlier, you know, bring it to the workplace, bring it to mm-hmm. hospital, bring it to aged care facilities and, and do it as a community rather than just, you know, ourselves alone, because this should be known and shared and practiced by everyone. So Absolutely. You know, it's and great you know- to start. With, the best thing yeah. about it, the best thing about yeah. it is it's free. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's everywhere. We just don't do of it enough. <laughs> yeah. It's free and accessible. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just don't do it enough. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Kate. That is a great practice. I'm going to think about it a lot. It sounds simple. I know I'm going to struggle for a little bit to actually get into the rhythm, but um, do my best. That's that's going to be my promise. I'll do my best mm-hmm. and spend more time practicing nature-based mindfulness starting today. That's my promise to myself and to you. Oh, beautiful. And Wonderful. Awesome. And now we are going to talk about the topic of today. We're going to go deeper into nature-based therapy in the context of well-being because mm-hmm. the podcast, in, in this podcast, we focus on, you know, talking about well-being in this many aspects, we always start by asking our uh, amazing guest on your personal definition of well-being and uh, what you think would be the key components of well-being. Yes, definitely. And look, I touched on this before. I think it's a holistic approach and we need to really look at a holistic model of healthcare when we look at well-being. Um, And if you turn the words around, it's about being well. And, you know, yeah. we are being, um, we're not doing. So if we look at the word being, um, it's about being, being in the present moment, um, being still and being present. Um, it's not well doing. Um, so I think that's the first thing is that we need to kind of connect. Um, and then we, we look at the word well, you know, what is wellness? Um, I'm being well. And so in a sense, it's about being balanced. And when I studied a diploma of holistic healing, my teacher was a chiropractor but a naturopath as well. Um, And he said the definition of disease is actually dis-ease. If you look at the word and break it apart, it's disease, which means not in balance. And so my whole philosophy around wellness is being present um, and being in balance and taking a holistic approach to health. Yeah, which is fantastic. the eight dimensions of wellness that we spoke about before. Yeah, fantastic. I really love that. It's, a, it's just in the words, right? We forget. It's right there. Well-being, being well. Um, disease, disease. That's really great. I, I really love that. Something to keep in mind. And I think another thing that a lot of people struggle with is when it comes to well-being, they think that it is a quick fix. You know, it's going to solve everything, going to solve all your problem. And that's one of the key misconceptions that you know, we see a lot. But mm-hmm. how about some other misconceptions that you've noticed or you've researched in your work? You know, what are some of the other ones that you see a lot? Yeah, um, responsibility um, and that we're mm. expecting other people to make them well. We go to a doctor and we want the doctor to diagnose us and write us a script. Um, without the person actually looking at their lifestyle um, yeah. and how they're taking care of their self first. So I think that's the second one is that um, the misconception that we expect other people to make us well. 
we go to a health professional to make us well. But actually, we are the professionals. Um, We know ourselves best. We just need knowledge to be able to make the lifestyle changes. And I think that's the key, that um, there's an overwhelm on our health system at the moment. Um, And there's a huge amount of dis-ease in Western society. And a lot of it is because of the diet, the food we eat, and the lifestyle that we live. Um, And if we can just educate ourselves and make small changes in our everyday life, um, we can become more responsible in our health. Mm. Yeah, that is so true. I think you're right. Sometimes we have uh, a long day and we kind of go, oh, I'm tired. It's just a long day. And then another long day and then another long day. And then we just never actually stop and reflect that, you know what, you can actually change your long days, you know, or your long weeks and and reframe Mm -hmm. it in a way that would help with your well-being. Because at the end of the day, it's still your responsibility. You know, Mm -hmm. no one's going to be able to fix it for you if you keep going at the rate or the the speed that you're going. And I think a lot of people, because of how our modern day lives are a lot of people kind of think, you know, I'm just going to have to go with the flow and deal with it as it comes. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, like you said, diet is a major factor in, in well-being. But lots of us, uh, well, at least lots of the people that I've interacted with kind of go, oh, I just don't have time to cook, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, uh, you know, like I just I just don't have time to eat. You know, those are the two key things that I've noticed. And it, it's yeah. actually quite horrifying when you think about it well sure you don't have time to cook but you don't have time to eat that's a whole different problem and you know forgetting to eat is you're just you know racking your own balance and how are you going to work on your well-being if you do that right so some of those little things we could actually do every single day mm. I but think they, it's so simple yeah mm. but they do have the time to eat they're just prioritizing perhaps they're working more to make more money over their health yeah and I think that's another misconception is that what is success is success living a happy healthy life or a success having a car a mortgage um working long hours and earning um six figures you know I think that's the other thing that's you know what what is health and um you know another misconception I think is also it's our culture it's our culture yeah. to to eat this or to go to the pub and have a big meal that's full of, you know, the whole plate fills up with meat and a little veggies. But, you know, when I've travelled and a lot of my experience travelling and learning about different cultures and seeing the way different people live is that I see a big difference in, in um, I think culture has a lot to do with health and wellness um, and how we view culture and what culture is for us Um and I think in, you know, there's been a real disconnect from people's culture too um, and, and lifestyle. And there's been a study on that, especially um, from Japanese community that's moved from Japan to America. There's a study on how their health changed significantly once they left Japan and their natural diet and environment and community to moving to study into another country and taking on the American diet and lifestyle is that they started to have health complications and heart disease and obesity and things that they didn't experience when they were connected to their own culture. And so we mm. can see how, um, 
this and it's a it's a cultural thing in Australia, you know, to have a barbecue, to drink a lot of alcohol. It's cultural to to have a lifestyle where you sit in front of the TV and that's kind of just what you do. And so it's, you know, that's a misconception that it's not our culture, it's what our cultures become. Yeah. Very true. And I guess it's it's a it's not a, an individual problem anymore because if it's if it's a culture thing, we should probably look at how we reframe the culture. You know, instead of doing barbecue and alcohol, perhaps we should do, I don't know, like you said earlier, fruit platter and juice or kombucha. I think that'll be nice, you know, healthy, mm-hmm. nice, a sober way to connect with your people. That'll be really awesome. Sometimes it's just hard, you know, because I, I think for me as well as a, as a young person, um trying this new lifestyle in Australia because you know I'm not from around here I feel like it's it's just something you do you know like you want to fit in yeah grab a drink why are you not drinking you know like oh yeah have some have some barbecue like this is great I, I do like it to be honest I do like it but at the same time I think every single time it's it's just getting repetitive and you know I would love to be able to focus more on the healthness side of thing and be more conscious when it comes to my well-being but at the same time when you're in a group setting it's just tricky right you don't want to be the only one sort of carrying a fruit platter around and just kind of say hey guys uh here you go you like it because it's a connection for you it makes you feel connected and it makes gives you a sense of belonging yeah, that's so true. But yeah, I, I think that just sparked a, t- a thought in me, though. I think actually maybe there's something we can do. You know, next time you go to a barbecue, maybe bring a fruit platter. That actually might help because it changes the vibe and it, it helps mm-hmm. to connect with people in a more, I don't know, m- mindful way because you're you're sharing yes. the Connecting fruit, to you know, you're something from nature. Exactly. And you're more mindful you together. And I yeah, I think I'd rather be that weird person than complaining about the fact that we've had too many Barbies in Australia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'll be great. That's a good question to kind of, um, or statement that you just said. It's so important what you just said. And I think a lot of my life and how I came to, to do nature-based therapy and why I created nature-based therapy, and this really goes back to the start of our conversation that we're finding our authentic self in an unauthentic world. One of the things I personally have lived with growing up is being that weird, different person because I've always been connected to nature. I've always been one not to conform to society and I never did anything to try and fit in because it didn't feel right for me. Um, and it's a really good point that you made is that, and I'm okay with that um, because I feel really comfortable in myself and what I'm doing and I'm living my passion Um if I had have conformed and if I hadn't have been my authentic self, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing, trying to share this with other people. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's okay to be the weird one at the barbecue. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that <laughs> and for inspiring me to be a little weird next time I go to a social gathering. I'll probably bring some fruit and kombucha. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> and and we changed weird to authentic yeah 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 I think I think that's true like authentic love that word yeah we should, we should start doing that more and perhaps there are people around us that also want to do the same thing but they just don't want to be the one that's authentic and, and standing out sometimes 
maybe people it's just like what we just right. discussed. So, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Great. That's that's a great point that we've made today, and you know, hopefully, the message gets across to a lot of people. That might change, uh, you know, slowly but surely, will will change the culture and improve the life that that we're all living. Mm. Fantastic. So, I think that is a great pretext to what we're going to discuss about because we are talking about nature-based therapy in the context of well-being. So now that we've laid the groundwork around well-being, what would be your thoughts on the relationship between nature and well-being? I think, yeah, it's a really good question about relationship between nature and well-being. I think um, well-being is nature. Um, and nature is well-being. So mm. when we look at relationship, we look at two things connecting, but I think they are one. Um, and we look at this through our ecosystem. And one of the um, things that I get people to do, I have an activity and a process that I do with people called My Ecosystem. And I get mm. them to put their eight dimensions of wellness, like all their health parts, into what a drawing would look like in nature. Like looking at what does it, if you drew a tree, what does that represent in the roots? Is your roots your culture or is the roots your trauma? If you have a lake, is it full of water? Is that your wealth? Is it empty? Is that your finances? Do you have dark clouds in your picture? Are they heavy emotions that you've carried through your life that you've been unable to express? But then if you have sun, is that hope? Is that vision? Does that... How does that impact the cloud to release the water so that you can let it flow? And does that flow into the river and into your water that creates more wealth? It doesn't have to be financial wealth. It could be emotional wealth. So when we look at this and we look at wellness and nature and how it's connected, um, everything's interconnected. Nature does not work silo. Everything in the natural world, including humans, are all interconnected. One can't exist without the other. Nature cannot exist without wellness and wellness cannot exist without nature. Yeah, that is a really great interpretation of this relationship because I find that sometimes when we talk about nature and well-being, these are two separate concepts that just don't really go hand in hand as they should, but they should. And as, as you just described, it's, it's a lot going on there, right? With how you how you see nature connected to mm-hmm. your well-being. It's not about what they are separately, but actually in this very context, we're talking about well-being. So we should connect them together. And mm-hmm. because we are talking about, you know, nature-based therapy, now that would be a great, uh, I think it would be a great picture that you just painted there. So let's go a little a bit deeper here. And, you know, I know that this is your expertise area. You're very passionate about nature-based therapy. We've already touched on it a little bit earlier. But if you were to explain it to someone who's never heard of it before and someone who's really new to this, how would you explain nature-based therapy? Being well in nature. So we're doing it backwards. Nature well-being, being well yeah. in nature. Nature-based therapy is the process of reconnecting um, to our authentic self through improving our connection to the natural world. 
I would say that's what nature-based therapy is. We're mm. reconnecting to our authentic self by connecting to the natural world. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think I'll have to take a moment and think about that statement. But I think, yeah, I don't, I don't remember having a conversation with anyone about this recently, which is why you know what you just shared is very important because it sounds like something so simple. And I think sometimes, as you mentioned earlier, you know, there are practices like the one we mentioned in our practice debrief. Things are free; mm -hmm. you just don't do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, So yeah, so I would love for, to to hear it be broken down into you know further details and uh, perhaps some insights into the incorporation of indigenous studies in, mm. in nature based therapy because I think you you briefly touched on this earlier in our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our framework for nature based therapy comes from indigenous worldviews, and the main thing from indigenous worldviews is that. Humans are not separate from the natural world. Is that we are nature, and it's about creating respect for ourselves, but also respect for all living beings around us. Um, and that comes from the rocks. Uh, it comes from the water. We're looking at you know the sun and and everything that exists in and around us because humans cannot survive without nature. Um, The interesting thing is that if humans were wiped out by some disease, nature would still be thriving. Um, so we need nature more than nature needs us. Um, yeah. And humans are actually, what I found in, in my research that I've done um, and a lot of reading and, and just my observations is that since Indigenous peoples were colonised around the world, um, you know, by by the English and the French, um, this is when nature started hurting and this is when our earth started becoming unwell, um, when they started exploiting natural resources. So when they removed Indigenous people from their lands um, and took away their culture and started to bring in sheep and cattle Um, and plant life that don't belong here on this country but comes from another country, what happens is the ecosystem here started becoming unwell. Our river system become unwell. Our waterways have become sick. Um, native animals have become extinct because of the introduction of foreign animals like rabbits and foxes. Um, so what we're doing is we're repairing Um, and part of a program that I'm doing now, I'm working with a conservation organisation. We're creating an outdoor wellness centre here in Victoria um, in between Geelong and Melbourne. And we're yeah. repairing the earth at the same time as repairing humans. So we're getting humans involved, connecting to nature through doing conservation work. And this goes back to Indigenous, what we're talking about, the Indigenous philosophy. So What we're doing is, I don't know if you've heard the concept of decolonizing. Part of what nature-based therapy is doing is decolonizing. We're reversing the effects of colonization. Mm, we're going okay. back to being connected to nature. We're going back to repairing the earth. We're going back yeah. to bringing back language. We're going back to our authentic self, mm. um, and which is more yeah. community wellness. 
I think when we look at the word wellness and what is well-being, um, Western worldview is individual, mine, I, me. When we implement Indigenous philosophy and way and being, we look at we as us. We talk about it's as together, it's connection, it's, you know, we're one. Yeah. But Western yeah. worldview is it's my car. That's my house. This is my job. I want this. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like yeah. we want this or, you know, it's about us. So there's that's a very, very important um, concept to understand when we're looking at nature-based therapy and wellness and incorporating Indigenous worldviews is um, our perceptions of, of, you know, what, what it is community versus um individual and community yeah. includes yeah nature. wow yeah absolutely and i think you mentioned that new concept for at least for me and i learned that today decolonization that's very interesting and insightful look up that word um and it'll take you yeah. down a whole rabbit warren um <laughs> yeah, of what it i bet and, and i think not yeah. just for Indigenous people, but non-Indigenous people need to decolonize. Yeah. Okay. That's definitely something new to do some more search on today, for sure. I think it's uh, it's a, a new thing for a lot of people to learn because, at least from my perspective, having not been here for long, uh, you know, Indigenous studies, Indigenous culture, that's, you know, these are all new things that I'm slowly learning more about. And I think even um, some of our local friends, you know, they, they talk about the same thing, you know, just trying to learn more about the indigenous culture and values and community. And mm -hmm. when, when you talk about nature-based therapy, you're relating that a lot to indigenous studies. So I think there might be a, a bit more going on here and, and we have time. Uh, would love to, to talk to you about what's, what would be some of the key sort of research theme or, you know, key things that, that stood out, you know, especially when you mentioned Western cultures, mainly me, and then, you know, indigenous culture, it's, it's our, you know, it's community. Um, what are some of the things that, that would benefit us? You know, what are some steps that we could take perhaps based on the, the research and the work that you've done, uh, little steps to perhaps embrace that indigenous culture more and, and be part of the community better, you know, be, be a better part of the community, as I might say. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. And I think it's really important. Um, and it's one of the things I do in my training courses in, in the Indigenous Philosophy Unit, students must do a project which connects them to their local Aboriginal community. So they have to go out and they need to research who are the traditional owners, uh, what's the population of Indigenous people, what's the local native flora and fauna in that land, um, what are significant sites, um, what is the history, um, looking at, you know, learning more about it. And so what I recommend that people get to learn more about the land they're living and working on um, and, and it might be visiting their local Aboriginal Health Service or Aboriginal Co-op in Melbourne um, at Federation Square. There's the Koori Heritage Trust. I highly yeah. recommend people go there because there's a lot of information and they always hold events. 
They invite people yep. to do basket weaving, engage in Indigenous practices. Um, NADOC week um, is a time in early July where we have a march um, in Melbourne, but there's events all around Australia. Um, and that's yeah. a really good opportunity to be able to connect with events and and get to to meet local community. Um, Reconciliation Week, that's another one as well where people can connect. Yeah. But we shouldn't have to wait for these special occasions um, that the yeah. government plans for a year. This should be something that we... So anytime you see an event happening or, um, yeah, just go and learn, learn as much as you can about the history yeah. of the land that you're on and, and First Peoples, I highly recommend it. But um, there's a lot yeah. of different places that you can go to around Victoria. There's Aboriginal cultural centres here on the surf coast. There's one called Narana. Um, they have a cafe mm. where you can eat bush tucker food. You can eat crocodile oh. and, and um, they have beautiful Indigenous foods um, here on the yeah. surf coast and it's a cultural centre as well. Um, and you can buy products which are supporting local community um, artists and people making different jams and different clothing items so you're giving back to yeah. community too yeah well that's very cool thank you for sharing and I think another thing that stood out to me is it's also a great chance to be in nature when you're doing these activities right and yes. you're essentially you know practicing nature-based therapy or, or using a little bit of the wisdom in there and stay connected mm. to nature while you're getting to know the indigenous community and in, in history so that's you know win-win yeah. If you come back down to the surf coast, um, do you know Point Adders just past Bells Beach? I've never so been, that, but, yeah, I know Bells you know Beach. Curry Culture Walk. It's called the Curry Culture Walk. So it's a walk you can do through nature along the cliffs um, mm. of the ocean there and they talk about the history and, and different plants. And So it's an educational walk in nature and you'll find that there's a lot of them around. If you connect with every... Um, up at Halls Gap at the Grampians, they have an Aboriginal cultural centre there too. Um, down yep. in Portland and Warrnambool, they also have an Aboriginal cultural centre where they have all these walks and you can go out with local guides. Um, so yeah. it's just about taking the time out to research and, and look and Google your local area, um, what's yeah. going on and getting involved. Yeah, that's very cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm definitely uh, going to make notes after this, you know, watch the recording again, make notes about the things I'm going to do. Um, yeah, that's going to be really awesome to try all the things and do all the walks and be in nature. I think mm -hmm. it is a great chance, great opportunity to incorporate all the learnings from today. So I'm definitely going to do all of that slowly and steadily. And I think final thing that we want to touch on with you today, you know, in the context of nature-based therapy, in the context of well-being, is something that we already talked about when we did the rapid-fire questions. You know, we talked about apps, and you said that you know she's not a big fan of technology, and it is actually a, a really big problem nowadays. Mm -hmm. Technology, you know, it's it's supposed to help us, but somehow it's disconnecting us from ourselves, from. Mm -hmm our people and especially from nature. So it is also another thing that we've noticed there's there's been a lot of research going on and, and it's so clear because we had to be in isolation and quarantine. The use of smartphone during the pandemic just skyrocketed. And now that we've talked about nature-based therapy, 
how do you recommend people go going about balancing using their smartphone for for what they need and also the use of nature-based therapy in their lives how do we find that balance yeah that's a really good question um and i'm glad you brought that up because part of what i tell people is that we're we're living in a modern world um and sometimes you need to accept that you know this is the way it is but it's about finding balance and so there's amazing things we can do with smartphones and iPads and um, and technology to connect with nature. And so this is also what I get people to do when I'm working with people and, and teaching people is that, you know, go out and take photos of nature, put them up on Instagram, share nature with your friends. Someone might be sitting sick in bed or in their office all day, but when they see that beautiful flower that pops up on your Instagram account, that might just change their day. You know, so nature can be used um, through technology and technology through nature to, to benefit people. Um, I love sitting in nature and taking recordings of a running stream or a waterfall and hearing the sounds and then playing it back later, you know, when I'm not in nature or can't get to nature and just being there again through that, you know, the visual of the recording and, and hearing it and seeing it. So, again, I'm still connecting to my senses. Um, or sharing that on social media with friends and family that aren't able to get out to nature. Um, so it's, yeah. you know, it does have its benefits. You can take photos, you can do nature recordings of sounds, um, you can share them with friends and family. There's apps that you can get, like I mentioned before, where you can um, do connect nature connection um, processes and activities. So it's kind of think about how you can begin being creative. How can you be creative with technology but still connect um, to the natural world and also through your camera and taking photos. So part of um, I develop nature reflection cards that I use in my practice and they're images of nature. So these are through photos and then I've got them printed at the printers and so we use them as a resource to be able to get people to tell story. And use nature as yeah. a uh, metaphor to be able to express how they're feeling. Um, mm. And that was all done through technology. It was done through taking yeah. photos, but it has yeah. profound effects on people. So, yes, they can, they can come together. Yeah, absolutely. I think we just all need to start remembering that, you know, in nature – when we are with our devices, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing if you don't if you don't abuse it and you if you still stay present enough because yeah mm -hmm. like, like you said we could you know record sounds take videos and watch them again later it, it might be good for when you're not able to go out in nature you know and I think for me it, it was tricky you know because I I remember when I first had access to to mobile devices I was kind of going oh you know I want to look at the waterfall but to record the waterfall I have to look at the screen so my eyes are kind of like you know going up and down <laughs> and I I, I, find, I found it hard you know because you know like the, the first struggles of using technology kind of started there and I was thinking to myself I feel terrible because I'm not present enough so what I have tried is, yeah, I'll take a video probably for 10, 15 seconds. 
while I'm taking the mm. video, I'll be present with taking the video by looking at the screen. But then once that's done, I'll put the phone away yes. and actually look at what I just recorded. So, you know, you know, one, one thing at a time, being present I and doing what matters most in that moment. So you don't lose sight of what really matters. And at the same time, you know, it's a balance between technology and, and being in nature and using nature-based therapy. Because, you know, after that moment of getting connected to the screen, you are once again back and connected to nature and the things around you with all your senses. Absolutely. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. That's what I, re I recommend is that you go there and, and be in that moment and, and video it to share with others or to keep it to reflect on later, but also then sit there and be present. Put it away. You know, you've captured something, but now let's just be in that moment with it. Um, and, and you have yeah. the best of both worlds. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. It, it, it's, I think it's going to help a lot of people because we, we still struggle and we find it hard. And sometimes once it's done, you know, once the recording is done or the photos are done, people just walk away. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really sad because you're, you know, you're in front of something so beautiful and magnificent and you just walk away after you've taken whatever photos and videos you need. And, you know, when we yes. can, we should definitely enjoy those moments, right? It's going to improve our well-being. It's going to improve our connection. Yeah. Absolutely. A very important point that you just made is that don't just take the photo there. I've seen it. I've taken a photo. Now it's leaving. Um, take that time because you do have the time um, to be present with nature and with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we should all make time. And that's the key message. Mm-hmm. Or prioritize yeah. the time. Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Kim, yeah. thank you so much for sharing about uh, nature-based therapy, about the practice of nature-based mindfulness, and also for talking to us about well-being, given your expertise and experience. And I know that you're probably working on a book sometime soon, so we'll be really excited to uh, get our hands on it or you know, know more about it when the time comes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. Um, it'll be all my knowledge is coming together and it will definitely have some processes in there that people can kind of reflect on and take home. So it will be a, a book that people can read, enjoy, but also um, implement some of the, the suggestions in there too. Awesome. We're really excited. I'm excited personally. So hopefully uh, listeners are excited too. And, you know, we'll hopefully see you back one of these days talking about another topic for well-being if the time allows. And it's been really great talking to you. I've learned a lot. I'm definitely going to take away some of the key nuggets of wisdom and start practicing them in my daily lives. And hopefully our listeners will do that too. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. You've been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at we.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo. Thanks for tuning in.